closet, one man on his knees can accomplish amazing things for the kingdom of God. Maybe, just maybe, it's for such a time as this that God has prepared you. So please join us if you would. Um, There are a couple copies, I think, left uh, of the 40-day devotional. This is a black and white copy, but it... um, but it, you're welcome to pick those up. If you need one, don't see one down there later. Uh, just let Kristen know. We'll be glad to get you a hard copy. But it's also posted daily online uh, on the Olivet site if you would like to, on Facebook, actually. Olivet's Facebook site if you would like to follow along in that way. Again, um, it's not going to replace your time with the Lord, but, but a way to join together uh, as the body of Christ to lift up our nation in these critical days. Oh, wow, we get this amazing privilege. Uh, So grateful for the window of opportunity we have to worship today to share in the Lord's Supper. It is a a sacred moment, a a real and tangible sign and seal of the grace of Jesus Christ for his followers. Those of you in the room, if you had a chance to pick up, did you have a chance to pick up a, a, um, a, a communion service? If you did not, if you just raise your hands, I think we can, anybody not have a chance to pick that up? Looks like, um, Christy, thanks so much for helping us get organized. Did, did you see one? Okay. Um, those of you at home, if you would uh, make uh, bread and juice available, and then you can participate with us uh, as we um, participate here. You can join us virtually online as well. And the body of Christ does not know time or space, and we are privileged to be able to share in that sacrament together. I do want to encourage you that um, it is a sacrament. It is, it is a very precious thing and a trust that God has given to us all that he asks us is that we examine ourselves. And, and, uh, and just, uh, again, the, the easiest way to do that is just to pray Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious ways. See if there's any hurtful way in me, God. And lead me in the way everlasting. And if God does prompt something, he just prompted something in my mind. If God does prompt something, just confess it. Disagree with God that that, that, is, that is not honoring to him. And, and let him forgive you, right? So that you can come to the Lord's table as a child of God, ready to receive grace. And uh, we'll just use our service, every aspect of the service, the Chad's message, the, the prayers, the, the worship. We'll use those to prepare our hearts. Sound like a plan? So we'll share in communion at the close of our service today. Well, I'm ex- so excited to be able to, um, to study the Word of God with you, period, anytime. But especially in this time, in this place, this precious gift of God, of the book of Revelation. I just guarantee you it's going to rock your world over the course. It'll make you exceedingly glad in many places. It'll make you a little upset and, and sad or mad uh, at different places. But it will accomplish God's purposes if you will only allow it. Here from the book of Revelation, our call to worship, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive glory and honor and power. Let's worship Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, together today, shall we?
Please be seated. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh, God, how we long for the day when we add our voices, not just virtually as, as we do now, but when we join with the hosts of heaven and those who from before the beginning of our time have been declaring, worthy is the Lamb. God, everything in, in creation points to that moment on the cross. Everything since then points back, God. Now, thank you. Thank you that there is one who is worthy of interceding for us. There is one who lived the life that we could not live and died the death that we deserved and has paid the price so that we can dwell in your presence. Now, fill us, would you, God? Fill us with your presence. It's frightening for us, like it was for all the saints who encountered you in one way or another, to come into the presence of holiness only magnifies our brokenness and unholiness. But we stand in faith on this truth, that Christ is worthy. And because we put our faith in his death on the cross on our behalf, because we believe in our hearts that you have raised him from the dead. And God, we can stand before you in his righteousness. So God, we worship you. We adore you. We praise you. And having, having been reminded and filled again with that peace that passes all understanding, it is finished, Jesus said. Having been filled with that peace, then we open our eyes, God, to, to your purposes for us now. And we know we still live in between the, the creation and the second coming. We still live in between the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. God, we know that, that the cross has intervened. So we ask you, God, what will it look like for us to glorify you for any days that you would grant us on this earth? I'm so grateful for, for saints who have gone before, God, for, for the sweet, teachable spirit of, of Millie as, as, as she, through every year of her life, opened her heart to more and more of you. God would be possible for us to be that kind of influence in the lives of people around us. Now, what does it mean for us to, to stand as followers of Jesus in such tumultuous times? Your word says that, that we're a city on a hill. We are lights in the darkness. Oh, Jesus, may you shine brightly in us, especially in this season in our world now. May people see the love of Jesus in us. May they hear truth of Jesus through our mouths. May they feel the acceptance and, and lack of condemnation of Jesus as, as we love them into a deeper awareness of who you are. Oh God, thank you. Thank you that until our last breath, you have meaning and purpose for our lives. Help us to embrace that purpose in these days. 
And God, I thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. Even when we don't know what to think or we don't know what to say, you put thoughts in our heads. You give us your word. You even give us words to pray when words won't come. So together we offer to you the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. He is not bound by time or space, and he's not surprised by the brokenness of the world around us. But he has given us a path, and it is a path of love. And he who has gone before us, offering his own life in our place on behalf of the brokenness of the world. He's still, he's still king. He still reigns. Let's worship him together. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days have been held in your hand. Till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Just is running out. It's running.
that slide up for us for just a second. Can we just say those words together? That's just an amazing testimony, isn't it? Say it with me. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Please remain standing as we open God's word together today. We're going to read a portion of what we'll study next week, um, Revelation chapter 1, and then jump on this communion Sunday to uh, Revelation 2 and Jesus' words to his church. Hear the word of God, would you, from Revelation 1, verses 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to the servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. And flip over a page, if you would, beginning in chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these words. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. And do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God, the very word of God. Oh, thanks be to God. Please be seated. If 
Good morning. I just want to echo what Dave said. It's good to be back in person with those of you who are here, and it certainly is good to join with those of you who are uh, online with us, um, but it is uh, a, a gift to be able to open the Word of God together in person. Um, I think that when we get used to being in person and then we have to revert back to the virtual thing for a couple of weeks, it just underscores, I found myself going, man, I really would like to go to church this morning. And not that I can't go to church virtually, but it's not the same. You know, you you all know what I'm talking about. Um, So it's just awesome to be here with you this morning. Um, At the end of just a trying week in a lot of ways. Um, So I'm glad you're here this morning. Will you pray with me? Father, we just uh, thank you for your grace this week um, for for us and um, Father, for, for our country. And uh, God, we just pray that as we turn our hearts and minds toward you this morning in worship, uh, which is it is our joy to do, God, that, that you would uh, speak to us, that you would speak to our hearts, God. Um, as we open your word together, God, uh, speak, form us into who you created us to be. Uh, Form us into the body of Christ that you desire to see, Lord, um, in in our community and in our nation, uh, in in our very homes. Um, God, I just ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We love you. We thank you for your word. And uh, we ask that you be with us as we open it now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're starting a new series today, as Pastor Dave said, on the book of Revelation. And when Pastor Dave said we were going to start a series on Revelation, I said, oh, really? (laughs) I'm glad you're preaching all those Sundays. Um, But then he he didn't. Um, You know, chapter one of Revelation, which uh, we'll kind of get into next week, we're we're kind of flip-flopping chapter one and two a little bit. Um, but chapter one focuses on this tremendous vision of Christ um, that John that John receives, and and like I said, we'll dig into that more next week. But it is just beautiful, and it just sets the stage for then chapters two and three of Revelation, which contain all these messages, uh, a message to each of the seven churches of that time. So today we're going to focus on the message that Jesus has to the church. At, at Ephesus, the Ephesian church. Um, but much of what is contained in those messages, while it's, it, it, it's directed at those churches at the time, it's clear that it's directed at the larger body of Christ, uh, I'll say eternal. That as we unpack this message today to, to the Ephesian church, um, you'll find yourself going, ooh, <laughs> the, I hear that. that that's, that's convicting for me. Um, and, and, of course, God's word is, is so good at that, that there's this message for those at the time, and then there's this larger message for the eternal body of Christ. Um, so, in addition to our New Testament reading, um, in Revelation chapter 2, which, which Dave read, we also have an Old Testament reading in Isaiah chapter 44. And if you'll read that with me now, um, Isaiah chapter 44, verses 21 to 23. Just give you a second to get there. Uh, 
And as we read this, think about that last verse that we sang about singing about the goodness of God. Isaiah chapter 44, verses 21 to 23. Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, O depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and will be glorified in Israel. The very word of God. Thanks be to God for his word. So we'll unpack that a little more in a minute along with the Revelation chapter 2 passage. But in, in, in this Revelation 2 message, Jesus is talking about three main things. He's telling the church in Ephesus and telling us this morning that to, to remember and to repent and ultimately to return uh, to him and to, to, what, to the way that we were when we first encountered him, to, our, to the way that we were when we first loved him. Um, so, in Isaiah 44, God says, he starts the passage with, remember these things. Remember that you are my servant. Remember that I formed you. you. Remember that I will never forget you. Remember that I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud. I blotted out your sins like mist. I have redeemed you. Those are beautiful things that I confess I don't remember day to day. I don't. I remember them sometimes. I remember them when I'm reminded of them. I remember them when times are hard, uh, but I, they, they don't necessarily form my day to day. And yet those are huge things that God has blotted out my sins like, like mist. Praise God. Praise God for that. And so God says, you know, remember who I am. Remember remember the things that I've done just to be with you, just to be in relationship with you. And then in the passage from Revelation 2, uh, down in verse 5, Jesus says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And and earlier he just, he tells them in in the previous verse, he says, "You you have abandoned, you have forgotten the love you had at first. You've forgotten what it was like when we first came to know one another. You've forgotten what it was like when you first realized that I am who I say that I am. That I did exactly what I said I was going to do. You've forgotten that feeling. You've forgotten what that was like. Um, And in John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance of all that I have said to you. So we have have this this helper, this Holy Spirit, who 
helps us to remember everything that Jesus has taught us. The Holy Spirit inspires conviction, both of the things we're doing right and the things we're doing wrong, but he also brings to mind all these things that Jesus has taught us. We're not on our own to memorize a list of things that Jesus said and then try to recall them at the right time. The Holy Spirit is there to assist us and to help us, and any of you who have ever memorized any scripture have can testify to that, that you'll be in a situation and all of a sudden you'll remember this scripture that you thought you had forgotten, but it's still in there somewhere. And the Holy Spirit goes, hey, remember this? The, um, the Jewish understanding, the Hebrew understanding of the word remember, um, especially as it relates to communion this morning, I've always found really cool. And it's, uh, if you break the word apart and you, and you think of it as a remembering of things, so you take things that are broken apart and you put them back together, it's almost, the word's almost more like re-experience. So when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, it was almost like, remember this moment. Remember this table that we're sitting at. Remember this, remember what we're doing right now. And every time you do this from here on out, remember this time because you're, you're coming back to this time. Um, I think it was in the book, Crazy Love, Francis Chan talks about his uh, mother-in-law who um, every time that, she has quiet time. She goes to the same spot in her bedroom and she kneels at the same spot next to her bed. And she said that for her, every time that she goes back to that spot and she kneels, it's like she's picking up where she left off. That it's just a continuation of the previous time and the previous time and the previous time. That's sort of the closest thing I can think of to this idea, this Jewish idea of remembrance, um, that we re-experience these moments with Jesus. And so if you think of that in terms of what it's saying here in Revelation, that we're to remember what it was like when we first encountered Christ, when we first came into relationship with Christ. It's not just think back on that, but put yourself back in that place. Think about what that felt like. Think about, um, about the way that you acted. Think about the things that you did as a result of what that felt like. And go back to those things. Return to those things. So God tells us in both scripture readings, um, remember who I am. Remember, I'm the one who made you, but I made you to be mine, and I'm not going to forget you. Remember that I know you and that I've redeemed you. Remember how you felt when you first realized that. Remember that feeling you had when you first realized how much I love you, when you first realized what I was doing in your life and what I had been doing since before your life, um, since before you were born. You know, um, I remember uh, when I first accepted Christ, um, for those of you that have ever done a Wabash Kairos and stayed at Miram, uh, there's a concrete pad like down the hill kind of down from the pool, and that's where I accepted Christ. Uh, I was down on that pad, and um, I just remember a camp counselor that um, said, you know, where are you at in your walk? And I said, well, what are you talking about? You know, I'd been in church my whole life, but I was just like, what is this language? Um, and we just kind of talked, and, and he just unpacked the gospel for me, and I guess that I had just, I was probably a freshman in high school, but I had never really understood 
just how much Jesus loved them, just to what great lengths God went to to bring me back into relationship with him. And when that clicked, it was just like my mind was just blown, you know. Um, I, I think of the little emoji on my phone with the, the little guy's head exploding, you know. It's sort of that thing where I was just like, whoa, this is a lot to take in. Um, but, but it was awesome. And I, I, I remember the feeling that I felt like. I mean, I can visualize sitting there that night under the stars, and I can, I can feel that feeling that I felt, just this warm you know, just like the best hug you've ever had. You know, it was just, it was just awesome to know that God loved me that much. Um, and then to think about the fact that God loved me that much, even though he knew what I had done and he knew what I would do, and, and yet he still loved me. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense in human terms. It doesn't. The second part of, of this remembrance is, is remembering who, who we are. Um, you know, in, in this passage uh, in Isaiah, God says twice, you are my servant. Now, you know, men are really good at submissiveness. You probably don't realize that. But any man in here will testify with me, we are very good at submission. Right. Um, no, we, we are not. Uh, pride tends to rear its ugly head. And so the idea of being a servant is not always the best idea. And yet to be a servant to God, to get to participate in this, in this plan, this plan that, that is over and above everything that's going on, all the garbage this week that has gone on, there's this plan that's high and above that that overshadows all of it, um, that we get to take part in that as God's servants. It's amazing. That's amazing. Again, given the things I've done and the things that I will do, I still get to take part in that. That's amazing. But speaking of this week, right now happens to be one of my least favorite times uh, every four years, um, election time. And um, it's not my least favorite time because of voting or anything like that. It's it's the negativity. It just it's it's toxic and uh, and, and it's overwhelming at times. Um, this week in particular, uh, you know, we kind of watched our, our nation sort of melt down, um, and and it did that because you can't. You know, we keep echoing this, but you can't put your hope in a in a political leader. You just can't regardless of their party affiliation, regardless of who they are, regardless of the things that they say, we were never meant to put our hope in, in a leader. We, we just we weren't. Um, regardless of, of, of what issues are, are your issues that you hold close and however they talk about those issues, we were never meant to put our hope in, in a leader, no matter who that leader is. And the reason for that is because they will fail you at some point. Because as we've all experienced in here, human beings will fail you at some point. And when that happens, and you put all your hope in them, what does that do? Now the source of your hope is, is gone. And, and it's dangerous. God is the only one who will never fail us. He's the only one who will, as he says in his word this morning, he's the only one who will never forget us. He will never forget us. 
And so, as we saw this week, when we put our hope in something that's not God and, and, that, and those individuals fail us, um, it turns people against each other, um, even and sometimes especially inside the body of Christ, um, because we fight back and forth about whether Jesus was as liberal as me or as conservative as me, or what we're really saying is Jesus agrees with me on this. And wouldn't it be a horrible thing if Jesus thought like we do, you know? Praise God that he doesn't. Praise God that, that he doesn't think politically like, like we tend to because it's just it's what's been ingrained in us. But as a professing Christian, I'm intended to put all my hope in Jesus. But notice I, I use the word intended because that's what I'm supposed to do. But I can't stand here before you this morning and go, I put all my hope in Jesus and in everything. I'm all in. Blank check. I, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I, if I did that, if I said that. Um, I put my hope in a lot of other things depending on the situation. And it's this constant battle of going, don't put your hope there because it's not going to work. Um, can't even really articulate some of the reasons why I do that. You know, you, you, we get in a situation and we realize we put our hope in the wrong spot and we go, why did I do that? And we, can't, we don't even really know why. It just seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, but then when we're sitting in the, sort of the shambles of the thing, we, we realize that it, that it wasn't. And I don't, you know, we, we sort of catch ourselves thinking, why did I do that? Because as I look at my own life, Nobody else, nothing else is qualified other than Jesus for me to put all my hope in. It, nothing else hits the mark, nothing. So uh, I, I don't know why I do that, but it's this, it's this constant battle of remembering what the source of my hope is. Don't attach your heart to things of this world that look good but are not God. Don't attach your heart to the gifts. Attach your heart to the giver. There's all sorts of things that are shiny and neat and new, and they grab our attention, and they seem like, okay, this is going to be it. And it never is. It never is. Because we're not meant to attach our hearts to these temporary things. Especially um, in situations like this week where some of us begin to listen to this enemy, to the enemy's message of hopelessness. You know, we, we watch a debate and we go, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Um, it, it, it begins to feel hopeless and into that situation, God speaks. Remember who I am. Remember who you are. Uh, remember who you are to me. In situations like uh, like like Ed, like you find yourself in this morning, God says, "Remember who I am. Remember who you are. Remember who you are to me." And so, as we remember who God is, and we begin to examine ourselves, there becomes a very clear need uh, for a change of course, and that's called repentance. So the first step is remember, 
The second thing that we're talking about this morning is repent. So why is Jesus telling us in this Revelation passage that we need to remember from where we have fallen? You know, that, that has kind of an edge to it. Um, and to answer that, I think it takes a little bit of self-assessment. We have to ask ourselves, you know, how, how are we doing in being the body of Christ? How are we collectively doing in being the body of Christ? How are we doing in giving the world an accurate representation of who Christ is? Because there's all sorts of inaccurate representations that ultimately turn people away from him. Are we furthering those inaccurate representations or are we accurately representing who Jesus is? How are we doing in loving those around us the way that Christ loves them, regardless of anything else, regardless of their lifestyle, regardless of whether they agree with us or not? How, How are we doing? And those aren't fun questions to ask, and they're not easy questions to answer. Um, But if we're going to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? Uh, Then we have to stop sometimes and say, how are we we doing? Are we doing what Jesus would do? And when we ask those questions, we inevitably find times that we aren't doing so well. Just with that, I just I feel like I should like I should say this: when you get into those times when you feel like you aren't doing so well, never once does Jesus say uh, to embrace self hatred or shame or any of that. Jesus says very clearly this morning: repent, change course, change direction, return to me. Um, self hatred and and shame are tools, powerful tools, that the enemy uses um, to get a foothold and to break apart the body of Christ, to isolate us over by ourselves where he can get to us easier. I remember the first time that um, Pastor Dave handed me a book by Tim Keller called Prodigal God, which many of you are familiar with. Tim Keller says in that book that sometimes it's not just what we've done wrong that we need to repent for, but every reason we've ever done anything right. And I just remember going, really? (laughs) I don't just have to worry about these things, but I also have to think about my motivations too. Uh, But it was so convicting, it it blew my mind. Um, But what he's saying here, what Jesus is asking in his message to us and to the Ephesian church is where is your heart? What's your motivation? And to know the true condition of our hearts, we have to be able to both ask and answer those self-assessment type questions. Um, Because for many of us, it was the realization of our heart condition that led us to the the realization that we needed Jesus. And so we have to assess the condition of our hearts. Um, In in Revelation uh, 2, verse 5 this morning, uh, Jesus goes even farther and, and then just examine your heart. He says, repent and do the works you did at first. Jesus says, church, take action. Examine yourselves. Remember where you have fallen from and take action. Don't just think about these things and dwell on them, but do something about the problem. But why is action so important? Because it solidifies how we feel about something. It it solidifies for us how strongly we feel 
about something. Uh, we've heard our, our whole lives that actions speak louder than words. But if you feel one way or another about a situation and are unwilling to act on it, to take any action about it, then how strongly do you really feel, you know? Um, it, do you feel strongly enough to get on Facebook and, and you know, follow, like support a cause and say that you like something? Or are you, or, or are you willing to get out and do something, you know? Um, there's sort of this whole thing about being lukewarm that comes up later in Revelation. Um, but Jesus is saying, you know, no more sitting on the fence. No more sitting on the fence. And I, I'm, I'm going to push a little bit harder and just say that if I feel, if I say, if I stand up here and I say that I feel strongly about people's eternity, about people coming to know Jesus, but I'm unwilling to actually speak or talk to anyone about Jesus, then how strongly do I really feel about that? Um, how much do I really care if I'm not willing, if, I, if I'm just sort of saying, you know, I really wish someone would talk to that person about Christ. Jesus pushes even harder in verse 5, and he says, you know, if, if you don't repent, if you're not willing to do this, then I will come and, and remove um, your lampstand from its place, which is kind of symbolic language, but Jesus is saying, I, I, I will remove my light from, from your church, and the, and the church in Ephesus will not stand. That, and that's strong language. And, you know, Dave hinted this morning that there are times in these passages where you're just going to go, whew. And that, that's one of them um, because Jesus is saying, you know, I need you to represent me well. You, you're doing these things well, but I need you to remember, I need you to remember your first love. And I need you to go back to doing those things. I need you to go back to taking the action that you were willing to take when you first encountered me. What Jesus asks of us is to remember where we came from and to repent, to turn back to that place that we came from. Um, Jesus is telling us to return to him and return to his service. And so, as we talk about returning, in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, it's this beautiful picture of returning to, to, to God. It says, yet even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. That's the picture that I see when Jesus says, turn away from that and return to me. Um, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So as we get ready to come to the Lord's table today, that's the posture that we're intended to have, that we are returning to the table of the Lord, that we are returning to sit at the table with Jesus. Repentance is something that we talk about a lot. It's a word we're familiar with, and we even remember it in these times of communion especially, but I catch myself all the time making repentance into just saying I'm sorry over and over and over and over again and not actually doing anything, not actually turning the other direction, changing course, which is what the word repentance actually means. Um, and so the difference there is that saying I'm sorry is just an intellectual exercise. I can just go, you know, hey, I'm sorry about that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. Um, 
just expressing it in words, but returning to the Lord, repenting involves action on top of those words. We keep coming back to that action thing this morning. Um, but if there's going to be change, there must be action. There can't. There's no other way. We can't sit on the fence, especially in these times. We can't sit on the fence anymore. And so today as we come to the Lord's table, I just urge you to spend time with the Lord contemplating what action it is that you need to take to return to him. To turn away from whatever's standing between you and a closer relationship with God and return to him. And what is keeping you from taking action this morning? Just as a closing thought, J. Vernon McGee once said, if, if you knew the condition of my heart, you wouldn't even be here listening to me. Um, and it's true. But God knows our hearts better than anyone. He knows what we've done, but he also knows what we will do. And he knows us intimately, and yet he still says, come back to me. Return to me. I'm all you need. But remember today who he is. Remember who you are. Turn away from whatever's distracting you today and return to him. Can you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. We thank you for the fact that you made a way for us to return. We're talking this morning about repentance and, and returning, but, but you made a way, God, and, and, and you weren't bound to do that, um, but you did that out of love for us, out of love for your children, out of love for your creation. And God, we praise you for it. And we just pray that you would speak to our hearts in this time of communion uh, with you, in this time where we sit at the table with you, um, speak to us, God, and, and, and reveal those unclean ways uh, in our hearts. We love you, God, and we praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. It's to come together to the Lord's table and to put into practice exactly what the Word of God, and thank you, Chad, for opening that for us here, challenged us to do to physically enact, right, to physically enact a spiritual truth, to believe that Jesus offered his own body in our place. And today we remember that body in the bread. We believe that the blood of Christ, the life of Christ represented in the blood, offered in our place, cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And, and so we remember the blood of Christ today. And then I love the third point of what you were saying there, too. We remember also what he has done for us. And we live into who we already are. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body given for you. At home, I invite you to take the bread, to pass it around your family, to make sure that everyone has a chance to to take a piece of that bread. Those of us here, if you would just take the top layer off of your communion set. Not the foil, just the plastic. It will reveal um, the communion element, the bread today. I just want to remind you again that not any of us, as Chad has reminded us, not any of us are worthy of coming to the table, Lord. It's not by our worthiness. It's by Jesus' worthiness. But if you have put your trust in him, then he invites you, really commands you to experience this holy moment. 
Remember Jesus. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for the body of Jesus, which bore the wrath of God against sin on our behalf. Thank you that you validated that act by raising him from the dead. We remember you, Jesus, today. After supper, Paul took the cup, and now we'll take the spoil portion of that as well. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this, he said, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you for the blood of Christ, God, which cleanses us of our sin. We thank you that, that there's grace spiritually present in this juice, even as we take it. Pour out your grace on us. God, we will give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Do this in remembrance of Stand with us.
Help us to remember. Help us to repent. Help us to return. And God, we just look forward with joy to one day being able to see with our eyes literally what right now we just have to believe by faith. But you are faithful. So we entrust ourselves to you until we can be together again. Amen. If you would be seated just for a moment, we're going to do a quick hustle to allow the our guests, our hosts, excuse me, uh, to um, worship with us. Um, Kathy or Carol, if you go ahead and release everyone, beginning with the back rows. We do want to just um, pray God's blessing on this place. Amen. I'm so grateful uh, for the privilege of worshiping here, for our host congregation, which uh, opens their doors to us. And just asking God to bless them richly as they gather for worship in this next hour. God bless you richly as you go to your homes and take the light of Christ wherever he would send you. If you'd like to fellowship, we invite you to come all the way down into the foyer and the gym or the parking lot outside, and we will look forward to being together again next week. Peace of Christ be with you.